Hey, what's going on there, everybody? Welcome back to the Double Down WNBA podcast. My name is Eric Nemchak here, alongside with Stephen Trinkwald. We are going to be continuing our free agency coverage. Stephen, today we're going to be talking about specific players who are going to be free agents uh, in the upcoming offseason and uh, some notes we have on those players, like where we think we're, they're going to go, stuff like that. Yeah, we focused a little bit more from the team perspective last time, so we're doing kind of a, a player perspective. We, we sort of ranked these players, uh, tiered them in terms of, you know, superstar, star, solid starter, more sort of a solid rotation player, and then fringe rotation, perhaps out of the league after this year for most of these. Um, let's get started with the unrestricted free agents. We'll also, uh, I should say, we'll, we'll be sort of sorting this by the the free agent types that we talked about last time last time as well so we'll start with the the unrestricted free agent bigs eric who are we looking at in terms of superstars here okay so some big names obviously uh sylvia Fowles last played for the minnesota lynx john cole jones last played for the connecticut sun brianna stewart last played for the seattle storm i mean all these this is pretty straightforward i think these are all core candidates right yeah it seems very unlikely that I, any of these players wind up playing for another team unless, you know, there's some real behind-the-scenes stuff that we don't know about and they just ask their way out. But the teams uh, have full control over the situation, essentially, d- despite these being unrestricted free agents because all these candidates are eligible to be cored. So I imagine all three of these will be back, unless, you know, Sylvia Falls retires or something like that. I imagine all three of these players will be back with the teams that they played for last season. Now, I know... Twitter, uh, people on Twitter have been trying to speak John Cole Jones to another team into existence. Uh, I don't really see any way of that happening. Do you? Not unless Connecticut just views their window as closed or again, unless John Quell is is really unhappy there and demands to be traded. You know, players find a way to find this leverage uh, out there. But I mean, if, if all parties are happy with the current situation, you know, again, Connecticut can core her and and just say, suck it up. You're playing here for at least one or, or two more <laughs> seasons for as long as she can be cored. So, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully she's in Connecticut for a long time, but who knows, I suppose. Okay, so I think that's, that's pretty straightforward there. I don't see either Stewart or Fowles leaving their respective teams either. So we can move on to the next tier here. Uh, you have Liz Cambage as a star. She last played for the Las Vegas Aces. Um, also, Tina Charles last played for the Washington Mystics. These two names, I think we could sink our teeth into a little bit more. Yeah, so I think, I mean, Cam Beige, I mean, either one of these players really could end up being the best player to change teams, I think, this this offseason. Cam Beige, it's been, I don't know if you'd call it a roller coaster in Vegas, but there's been a lot of discussion, I guess, about sort of the how, how seamless a fit Cam Beige and uh, former MVP Asia Wilson play together. Cam Beige also always a candidate to just not play in the WNBA in any given season. So I, I guess we can also just kind of loop Tina Charles into this discussion at this point. If you're Vegas, which one of these two players would you rather pair with Asia Wilson? Because it, Charles, I think, you know, sort of seems like a, a a more seamless fit offensively with her ability to to be a little bit more of a floor spacer. Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't call Tina Charles a, a floor spacer, you know, straight up floor spacer. She, like, I don't think she's like a stretch big, but... She definitely does does have more offensive versatility than Cambage. Well, I think the the fit between Cambage and Wilson has been um, maybe you know people have been saying like oh they they can't coexist together. I, I don't think that's true. I think the experiment went better than than they're given credit for. Um, the results weren't there. 
the, the results just weren't there. You know, we saw um, two untimely uh, playoff exits for a team that people had higher expectations for. And as you said, with Cambage, you know, um, not always a, a, a guarantee to play in the WNBA summer after summer. So I don't know how much longer the Aces can continue investing in that, can continue trying. So they might want to change things up. I think Tina Charles, if they could give her a try, I mean, I don't see why why they couldn't do it. I, I think a Tina Charles and Asia Wilson fit would actually be pretty good. Um, not just the fit together, but the fit on the roster as a whole. You know, with Cambage, one of the main concerns with Cambage is um, she's never really been a high, a, a heavy usage player or a high minute player. You definitely don't need to worry about that with Tina Charles, right? Uh, so even if Wilson and Charles aren't playing together on the floor at the same time, I think it would really open up a lot of different lineup opportunities for the Aces. So even if Wilson is on the bench, you could go with Charles as that is that offensive cog, um, or you know, even if uh, Charles is on the bench, you could go with Wilson at the five, who I think we both think the Aces should be doing a little bit more. Yeah, that's true. I and I think you know it, it would be easier. I mean, I think Bill Lambier probably could have you know prioritized this a little bit more, sort of keeping one of Liz Liz Cambage and Asia Wilson on the floor at all times. But that's a lot easier with Tina Charles rather than Cambage because, as you said. Charles is such a, a higher minute player or has been able to be. And, you know, I think she can, and I think Cambage is, is capable of this as well, but Charles is really a player, like you're saying, who can sort of carry the second unit offense and kind of that heavy usage role when maybe some of the, the other, you know, big name players for Vegas are on the bench would probably be a little bit of a step down for Vegas defensively. Charles, uh, you know, from Cambage to Charles, I should say, but, you know, I, I just don't really think it would matter in the regular season with kind of how, Bill Lambier coaches defense and he's done such an amazing job, you know, whether Cambage has been there or not. And, and Asia is such a great defensive player and they have great perimeter defenders uh, across the roster. So, I mean, I think it would be a very successful situation, but you know, who knows how interested either Bill Lambier or Tina Charles are in a reunion of that sort. So are there any other, you know, options that jump out for you in terms of Tina Charles landing spots? I think the first uh, team that comes to mind for me is Atlanta. And I have a feeling we're going to be saying the Atlanta dream for a lot of these players because the dream just have so much cap space and, and so much needed to address. You know, with, with with Tina Charles, you know she's going to want to be, she's, you know she's going to command a larger salary and you know she's going to command a lot of usage. You know, she wants to be the main cog, but she also says, you know, she, she says she wants to, um, she wants to win at this point in her career, but at this point, who, but you know, who doesn't, right? I think the dream could offer her both the, the contract and the role that she's used to having. You know, I, I'm not sure if Tina Charles is is going to accept a lesser role. If she was on the Aces, yeah, it'd be a lesser role. If she was on the Dream, she'd be the go-to player once again. So I think Atlanta, um, you also have Seattle here in the notes. Yeah, just as sort of a better version, I guess, of kind of what happened with Candace Dupree, you know, a, an option that actually would add some championship upside to Seattle's core, you know, I think... Russell is probably Mercedes Russell, their restricted free agent who we'll get to later is probably going to be a priority, but look, we've seen year over year now that teams that can space you five out are, are just a lot having a lot more kind of championship success in the playoffs. And Mercedes Russell obviously limits that offensive upside uh, for all of her gifts. And, and I think she's a really great player, but you know, this was just something that, that you can kind of see Charles maybe, you know, maybe it's not a full max deal, but still able to kind of get paid 
on a, a shorter term, striking that balance on, on a pretty competitive roster with some really exciting players um, and actually be able to kind of compete for something meaningful. Uh, I agree with you, though. Atlanta seems like, you know, something where they're going to once again try to free agency their way out of, you know, the situation where they've been in year over year. And Charles, I think it seems like uh, it seems like destiny almost, I'll say. Seems like destiny. Okay, well, I feel that I feel that way about another player and, and the Atlanta Dream, but we can uh, shelf that uh, for the time being. Let's uh, move well, on. Well, before we move on, does anybody else oh. jump out for you for Cambage, who we didn't really cover as much? Yeah, right. Let's Cambage. Um, well, it's harder. I think it's harder to find a Cambage. It is harder player. because we've seen Cambage. Um, I don't want to say force her way to other teams, but it, it's just harder to see her um, just accepting an offer from from basically any other team i mean because you just don't know like is she going to show up is she going to be in shape i there's just a lot of question marks with cambage season after season i mean do you have any ideas i don't really i mean it seems like she's very market dependent you know she's not going to go play in somewhere that she doesn't want to be it seems that cambage because you know I think this is a credit to her in a lot of ways. You know, the WNBA is not kind of everything to Liz Cambage. So if if the right right situation isn't out there for this year, you know, maybe she waits until the following off season and just signs with LA when, when their cap space becomes available or something. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Actually. That's a good point because we all know that she wants to play for the sparks. She has wanted to play for the sparks for forever. I don't know how they'd make that work this off season, but as we talked about in our last episode, next off season, Everything is off the books for the Sparks, and they could make a run at a big-name free agent like that. Now, at the time, though, Liz Cambage would be on the wrong side of 30, and she'd be coming off, presumably, another missed WNBA season. So whether or not that would work for the Sparks, we'll, we'll find out, right? Um, you want to move on to the next tier of, of players? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So for plus starter, you had uh, Stephanie Dolson and Emma Miesemann. Two interesting cases, I think. Yeah, uh, Dolson from your Chicago Sky. And to me, it just, and we talked about this a a little bit last episode, but it it just feels like Chicago might not be able to afford everyone. And if that's the case, I think Dolson might be the odd player out. Um, And a lot's going to sort of depend on Kalea Copper and Vander Quiggs, you know, sort of as that kind of package deal. But you know, there, there, I think are some other attractive options out there for Dolson. How are you feeling just about Chicago's ability to, to bring Dolson back this season? I mean, she's, she's not the priority, right? I mean, simply put, uh, Kalia Copper is the priority. Vandersloot and Quigley are the priority. Stephanie Dolson is at best the fourth player they need to be bringing back. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's nothing personal against, that's nothing against Stephanie Dolson uh, as a person or anything. It's just a matter of the situation. Like you're a team coming off a championship and you want to run it back, presumably uh, you gotta, you gotta lock up your stars. And, and with Dolson to, to add to that, they, they have their, you know, end of season, big pairing already signed for, you know, that's the one thing that they kind of have on right. the roster already is Stevens and Parker. Right. So I think for Dolson, and the other the other side of that coin there is that Dolson is a player who I think could fit on a lot of different WNBA teams, Stephen. Yeah, I think the one that's been popular as a point of conversation has been the Liberty. I think yes. that that's a pretty interesting one to me. I feel like if the Liberty were going to bring in a free agent center, you know, even if it is to start, it would be the type of player that they're okay kind of closing games with that player on the bench and going more for Howard as a center. And I think, you know, someone in the Dolson range 
from like a salary and just kind of resume perspective would would make some sense more so than you know I guess someone that just has more like star equity in the league if you were if you I was maybe going to save this for for later but we're talking about Dolson now so if you were the Liberty would you rather you know if it's equal money would you rather go out and sign Steph Dolson or re-sign Rebecca Allen that's a good question Obviously, both players bring their own strengths and bring their own weaknesses. Uh, I think I'd rather go with Allen tentatively because uh, from, from a Liberty perspective, you just know what you're going to get out of her. And I think she had a bit of a down season as far as scoring you know, in the paint or inside the, uh, inside the perimeter, as I'm sure you will note later on. But Dolson, I mean, that's a very enticing combination. Dolson with UNESCO and, and basically all the Liberty players. Like she offensively, she has, as you like to say, a very malleable skill set. And I think she could kind of unlock some things um, playing alongside their young franchise players. I mean, and they, as you, they so desperately need someone who can set a good screen. They do. They do. And there are not many players in the league better at that than Stephanie Dolson. Um, and how about a, a front court player who can pass the ball? Once again, Stephanie Dolson fits the bill. So that, that's a good question. I think Allen is the better player, but Dolson might be the better fit on this Liberty roster. I, I ask you the question, but I don't really have an answer myself. Uh, but Dolson, it, it would be an interesting one. I think she, she doesn't really exactly, I think, kind of line up with what they want to do. Like, I feel like they, you know, they really want to play Howard as their center. Like, I feel like they brought in Howard to be their center. But it, it's clear that they do, I think, need some additional kind of high-end depth at the big position, whether it's Dolson or maybe someone in that that tier below. But uh, another team that had, um, we will be bringing up, uh, as you mentioned a lot, I think Atlanta, you know, even if they aren't kind of going star shopping necessarily, you know, Cheyenne Parker and Steph Dolson kind of reuniting that front court would be, you know, they're not going to stop anyone. But in terms of like your offensive development for Kennedy Carter, like that's a really good offensive front court to sure. to have, you know, someone that can bring in a little bit of extra passing. You have Cheyenne who can do a little bit of the kind of more pick and roll stuff and, and low post scoring. Uh, that would be a really interesting one for me as well. Okay. Like I said, I, th- I think Stephanie Dolson will be pretty highly sought after. Uh, as you said, because you always bring up the five-out basketball stuff. I mean, she has proven herself to be a, a very competent five-out basketball center just because of all the things she brings. Like, you, you can't put a price on screens. You can't put a price on three-point shooting. You can't put a price on pass. I mean, technically you can, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and then the other option, Emma Miesemann, it just doesn't really feel like Miesemann's going anywhere. It, mm-hmm. uh, I, I feel like everyone, you know, from, from everything you hear, like, it's kind of a, a Washington or overseas type situation for Miesemann with the relationship that she has with the organization and, you know, how, I guess, uh, I mean, she, she comes over definitely more regularly than, than other international players, but, you know, another pretty valuable skill set. I think New York would be over the moon to, to bring her in. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, but I think we can move on to the, the next tier, which I only had one player in this kind of solid rotation and that is Elizabeth Williams from the Atlanta Dream. This one for me, like I, I don't really, I feel very unsure about kind of what the, what the market will be, kind of where she will fall um, in terms of league interest. You know, I, I think she's overqualified as a backup center probably, but as a starting center, you know, you maybe aren't feeling too great with kind of her her offensive limitations and, and everything like that. So, you know, who who's really kind of in the in the the market for a center in such a, you know, center driven league. Like this is, this is where the stars are. 
And the, the, it feels like the type of player that you were kind of talking about in the last episode that just doesn't really exist in the new CBA and kind of that middle ground salary, you know, the, the player that kind of gets squeezed out a little bit from the market. And that's a shame because Elizabeth Williams, we've seen her anchor an elite defense on the Atlanta Dream a few years ago. We've seen her make an all-star team. She's undoubtedly a, a very good defensive player at a key defensive position. So she's going to have value, you know, whether or not she's coming off a rough season like in, like in 2021. But like you said, I mean, what is the market value for a player like her? Um, who just has a very low offensive ceiling, but a very high defensive ceiling. So, I mean, I think you could present this both ways, I think. Like, yes, her offensive limitations are concerning and may keep her from getting a large contract or drumming up much interest. But it, it being such a center-driven league, you're going to want players who can defend that position. Now, she's a little undersized for the position, yeah. You're obviously not going to want her to play one-on-one coverage with, against Brittany Griner or one-on-one coverage against Sylvia Fowles, but she knows how to defend within a scheme. And I think that's a very important element to have. So I think the question here is, is will Elizabeth Williams be willing to take a cheaper contract and or a role coming off the bench? Yeah, and I think there are some, some I mean, I would love her in like Minnesota behind Falls if they didn't already have True. Natalie Achanwa in, in that role. Or maybe if Falls does end up retiring, which we hope isn't the case, you know, I would like her pretty good there. I don't think she really fits offensively for the sky but if they end up losing maybe both Dolson and Diamond and just have a and you know they think uh she's obviously an upgrade I think from from a stew do fall you know and they end up having a little bit more money than they anticipated I think that would be a, a pretty good fit from at least a defensive perspective and oh yeah I mean they could they could uh lean all in on that on that defensive approach they took in the postseason that, that got them a championship um so that that's pretty much it for rotation bigs in terms of the uh the unrestricted players, we have some kind of fringe players here. We can just go through them quick. Christina Nigue, Jessica Breland, Kalani Brown, Sierra Burdick, Emma Cannon, Krima Christmas-Kelly, Candice Dupree, Rashonda Gray, Alana Smith, Kia Stokes, Natasha Mack, Astu Dufal, Teresa Plaisance. Do any of those bigs really like scream, you know, sure thing on a roster next year? Um, I want to say Karima Christmas-Kelly. You can argue that she's more of a wing, but you, you brought up off-air that if she's going to make a return to the WNBA, it's going to be more of a small ball four, and I agree with that. Um, I mean, her injury history is extremely unfortunate, though. Uh, so, I don't know, is this guy fan? Maybe a stu fall? She had a lousy year, though, and, and I don't know. It's That's another case of an international player um, who you're not sure is going to show up every every season, but has a has clearly has a good relationship with the, with one certain team, and that is Chicago. So I think this guy have to at least be looking at her again. Um, maybe Kia Stokes, but again, the offensive limitations just too great to ignore. How about you? Yeah, Natasha Mack for me is probably the interesting player if you're like a young team like the Atlanta Dream, whose aspirations are not too high, and you're just you know you're you're not really in that win now mode although maybe the dream will be but you so know, just a cheap fifth big or or just you know you're you're taking a flyer on someone that might have some upside i mean mac was very high on a lot of people's draft boards last year and just kind of you know got squeezed in a couple different roster scenarios so if you're looking for some of those kind of younger flyers mac i think would be worth taking a look at and then you know in terms of more kind of veteran players yeah a stew is probably the most uh, you know, the best player out of out of all those are the most accomplished and kind of the most reliable. Well, Rashonda great too. I think I think there's a reason why she keeps getting signed. You know, you know what you're going to get from her. And she's by all accounts, a, a great locker room player. Yep, that that's a great point. Uh, let's move on to the restricted free agents. Who do we have there? We have but one superstar, uh, Asia Wilson, the Las Vegas Aces. 
This is easy, right? Yeah, I think this is going to be a quick one. Asia's not going anywhere. I think the only question is whether Vegas will just give her the max offer uh, at the start of free agency or if they will kind of make her go get that restricted offer sheet in free agency. Um, hopefully they just do right by their star player. We can skip the the star, although, uh, Eric, do you think somebody should have been in this category? Uh, no, <laughs> I have no arguments here. Looking at the rest of these players, we can move on to plus starters. I think, uh, you've got a couple here. Maisha Hines Allen last played for the Washington Mystics and Mercedes Russell last played for the Seattle storm. Yes. Yeah, so Hines Allen, I think this, again, um, similar to sort of the, the star bigs that we were talking about. One of the better players that I think feel like a pretty good bet to change teams. But as we talked about last time, it, Washington is really going to be choosing, kind of one of Tina Charles, Emma Misamin, and Maisha Hines-Allen. Hines-Allen, obviously the youngest, um, had a great season two years ago in the bubble. You know, I, I was not amazed with her season last year, um, dealing with some health issues and playing alongside Tina Charles. I think we are in similar agreement on Maisha Hines-Allen, if kind of divergent from, you know, I think the consensus which is a little bit higher on her. Yeah, you know, with Heinz Allen, um, this just seems like a, a big contract waiting to happen for me, particularly because, well, one, because of her status as a restricted free agent. I think some team, maybe Atlanta, again, a team that really needs front court scoring, or maybe the Indiana Fever, a team that needs front court scoring. Uh, I emphasize the scoring part because Heinz Allen, you know, she's not really much of a defensive playmaker or a rim protector, and you know she's going to be getting her money purely from her scoring skills, and she's got a great face-up game, no doubt about that. Um, but you know, like you said, like we keep saying, the Mystics aren't going to be able to afford to keep all of these free agents. And I think Beesman just has greater stature within the organization. Um, Heinz Allen, you know, she's played great since the bubble that that was her year to really prove herself as a starting caliber player. And she did that, you know, she's playing for a large contract and I think she's earned it. And I just don't think it's going to be with Washington. Yeah. So some other options out there, uh, Atlanta, which I think you mentioned, you know, Dallas, even though they don't have the roster space it it st- still seems like that's kind of uh you know been floated out there a couple times you know new york oh, hang on that, that's interesting steven i didn't think of that because when we were talking about dallas we said okay look at all these cheap unprotected contracts they have what does washington need cheap unprotected contracts that's true so maybe a sign in trade would make some sense yeah for, yeah for yeah, yeah. okay all right what do you think about the fit on the liberty for heinz allen uh I mean, I think you could fit her next to Howard as a four. I mean, you, you'd be committing to a small ball lineup, though, like the, the entire time, you know? Yeah, and I think, you know, maybe that would work okay if you go to kind of really like a, a switch-heavy scheme with Heinz Allen at the four and Howard at the five. I don't think as good of as Heinz Allen's rebounding numbers have, like I still don't think, you know, that's really a huge upgrade in team defensive rebounding there. It still feels like they'll get killed on the glass. And I, I just don't really think... You know, she's, hey, I'd be happy to be proved wrong, but I just don't really think she's the type of player who's who's going to live up to whatever contract she ends up getting this offseason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't want to use the term overpay, but in, in terms of market value and salary cap, I think this is an overpay waiting to happen. All right, let's talk about the next player I have here, Mercedes Russell. Um, if it's not Seattle, like where would she be a starting center? Well, if what uh, Vegas has, has shown uh, when Liz Cambage isn't playing, I would say Vegas, because uh, Bill Embiid obviously has, has no problem running out players who he's just going to bench soon anyway. And and Russell is obviously an upgrade over a Carolyn Swords or a Kia Stokes. So 
if Lambeer is insistent on running these big lineups out there, I think Russell would be a terrific fit for him. I mean, yeah, she's like the, the best version of those type of players, I think. Right, right, right. Uh, it, it's kind of still limits, you know, what Asia would be doing offensively in a lot of ways. But, I mean, they've made it work with, like I was kind of saying, inferior versions of this type of player. Um, and I'm sure they would love to steal away a starter from Seattle. It seems like there's a, a bit of a, a budding rivalry there. But do you think Seattle is going to sort of like, I mean, they, they obviously have a ton to sort out this free agency, but how how much do you think they're prioritizing her, I guess? Well, distant second behind Brianna Stewart and Jewel Lloyd, I can tell you that. I do think the the Storm really like Mercedes Russell. They've also got Ezzy Magbiger, though, and she seems like a player who, you know, while she's maybe not as like as strong or as bulky as Mercedes Russell, she's going to be nipping at her heels for a starting spot. So maybe Russell's going to get more minutes elsewhere. Yeah, about four years younger than Russell, you know, can nominally space it a little bit more will at least stand out there has taken some threes in her career so um you know i thought how, it, how about the liberty yeah i it just i feel, like we said they, they need they need a true center right or do they uh, i i don't think so but a lot of people do uh it, i would just rather you know go after the dolson type of someone who can give you even though russell maybe in a vacuum is a better player than dolson i think they're at least kind of in the same neighborhood but you know, Dolson, the skill sets are vastly different. Yeah, so, Dolson yeah. feels like, you know, with the passing and the screening and, you know, Russell's probably like a better finisher inside and, and obviously a better defensive player and a better rim protector, better kind of guarding those those premier, you know, back to the basket options. Dolson, for what they want to do offensively, just makes a little bit more sense for me, I think. Okay, fair enough. Um, shall we move on to rotation players? Sure, this is one. Um, we, we have one more, I guess, kind of uh, reserve or restricted free agent, I should say, and that's Monique Billings for the dream. New front office, new head coach. I have a hard time really kind of seeing the market demand for Monique Billings, although like we mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago, huge mea culpa on, on Billings. I was not very high on her coming into the season and she definitely, you know, proved her, her worth for sure. I mean, she's a she's a young athletic player who is getting used to playing in the professional professional basketball league. That's it happens. Uh, but I agree with you on your assessment. I think Billings, uh, she is a restricted free agent, but I don't see a team out there who's in a position to offer her a huge contract. Or maybe a team could offer a huge contract, but I mean, the Dream have plenty of cap space anyway. And for all of their questions, she is a player who seems like a sure uh, like a sure thing. You know what you're going to get out of Monique Billings. Yeah, if I would say, you know, if Dallas didn't have so much roster crunch already to deal with, you know, her playing the four next to Satu Sabali in like some smaller, more aggressive lineups, I think that would be a pretty good look. But it just feels like to me there are more destinations for Billings that I would not like than would really kind of get me excited. You know, like if Indiana or Vegas or something went after Billings, I think it could work out pretty poorly for all sides. I don't see how that would help Indiana. I mean, neither does John Dell Levin. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, let's move on to reserved uh, bags. Yeah, we, we didn't really, we can go quickly through this because, you know, these players are not really able to, to, uh, you know, negotiate really. So if they're back, it's going to be, you know, probably a very low salary. We didn't have anyone in the superstar star or solid starter camp here uh, for rotation players. Uh, Maria Vidiva, Temi Fagbenle, Bernadette Hattar and Nao Rankok Akunwe, you know, all players that I think would make their teams better. You know, Nao, 
I, I feel like she's better than some players currently in the league, but probably not a player that New York is going to prioritize. Probably not a player that a rebuilding team would let go for a younger player for. Um, did you have anything on those four players before we get onto the fringe? Not really. I, I think I miss seeing Maria Vidiva play, though, because I think she's a very skilled uh, young. And she's only 23 years old, too. So I think there's some upside there. Yeah, I hope she comes over and I hope she doesn't get buried behind some players on the Sparks that I think are not as good as Maria Vidiva. So All right. um, for fringe players here, we have a couple. Megan Gustafson, Stephanie Jones, Beatrice Montpremier, Jisoo Park, Lauren Cox, and Chelsea Perry. Perry, of course, coming off uh, a, an ACL injury. We hate to see that. Yeah. Um, but Cox, I thought, was an interesting one because it, it seems at least possible to me that she doesn't get her qualifying offer. So she might end up as a nice training camp contract. You know, Phoenix was one that jumped out for me. Can probably, you know, not kill you playing alongside either Griner or Turner in some of those reserve minutes. But Cox, you know, obviously disappointing for her draft status, but still to me probably belongs in the league next year. I agree. I think she deserves another shot. How about Chicago? For Lauren Cox, if Dolson leaves. Yeah, Chicago would be uh, a nice sort of change of pace for Ruthie Hebert. You know, you have kind of one offensive and one defensive-minded player. Would you rather have Cox next year than than a Stu-Do? Uh, hesitant, yes. Hesitant, yes. I, I don't think, I mean, Cox is going to be cheaper, obviously. And a Stu-Do fall, uh, she just didn't make much of an impact for a team, for a, a championship team. So I think if you're looking to get younger and you're looking to get a cheap front court player because you're going to be spending money elsewhere. I think Lauren Cox would be the way to go there. Yeah. And she might really fit with Ruthie Hebert, honestly, with yeah. kind of what her skill set is. So, um, but let's move on to the guards and wings here. Those were, those are the bigs. Let's start with the unrestricted free agents. Well, we have Jewel Lloyd of the Seattle storm and Courtney Vanessud of the world champion Chicago sky. That's right. These are our two in the superstar category here. I mean, not not much to say about these two players. Um, I personally love the the dynamic of the best wing in in the league and the best big in the league playing on the same team. So I personally hope Jewel Lloyd stays in Seattle. Um, but Jewel, if you're listening, New York is a great place to live. I mean, honestly, like Jewel Lloyd would would make any team better. She can play alongside yeah. any combination of players that you have. Um, yeah. Courtney Vandersloot said she was open to free agency. How much of that is just? posturing eric do you see any potential landing spots for courtney vandersloot i'm gonna say no because i want her to stay in chicago so badly um now there have been rumors about both of these players actually somewhat related a lot would have to happen but say sue bird retires courtney vandersloot goes back home to the pacific northwest then that leaves a max roster spot open in chicago jewel boyd comes home to chicago interesting i don't know how realistic that is you know we we love to throw around the um grew up in the area angle sometimes there's some validity to that sometimes there's not so sometimes um, that's something that's keeping the player away from signing with yeah that team very true very true although there is a player i want to talk about who i think that that it will be a factor for but we can talk about her later um no i mean you you pretty, you pretty much said it these are two superstar players who any team would be over the moon to have and would instantly make whichever team they go to a heck of a lot better. Um, and for that reason, I don't think uh, their respective teams would let them go. Yeah, I mean, for, for Lloyd specifically, I'll just say one more thing on her. Like Chicago, just, I mean, Seattle just has to do everything that they can to keep Lloyd, you know, offer her, you know, don't don't mess around, don't try to, you know, because you can only core one of these players, right? So yeah. So if you if you try to get cute, Lloyd or Stewart can leave. Um, but let, let's move on to the star category here, which also have two players from the same two teams. 
Okay, so we've got Sue Bird, a longtime point guard for the Seattle Storm, and finals MVP, Kelly Copper, the Chicago Sky. Yeah, for, for me, Sue Bird, going into her age 41 season, I don't think she's really a threat to change teams. Um, you know, maybe she'll retire, maybe she'll return. I think that's really the only question for yeah. Sue Bird. And then for Copper, this feels like the first domino in Chicago's offseason, right? How much... Will Kalea Copper, will she get the higher max? Will she get the lower maximum? And I think that's going to really kind of dictate what is, um, you know, who who of the remaining rotation players that Chicago has as free agents are, you know, who, who else they can bring back, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. I totally agree. And as a Sky fan, I think she is, you know, I, I said Vander Quiggs is the number one priority last week. Uh, now that you put it that way, Copper might be the number one priority because, I mean, she just had a career year um earn some significant hardware along the way and she might be itching to explore free agency i mean we don't know I and mean, there, there are teams that have a lot of cap space out there and a team uh in georgia whose owner went on national tv and may or may not have uh suggested that she's gonna be looking to try to sign Kalia copper no names being thrown out obviously so i mean i think this guy just need to need to throw the bag at her but if it's the upper max I might have I might give pause there because is Copper still for as much as she's improved, is Copper still a super max type of player? I would have uh, it would make me uncomfortable. I'll say that. Yeah, you know, it, she, it, yeah she's a know, really elite play finisher. She's not the type of player who like Jewel Lloyd is really gonna even create for others as sort of your secondary pick and roll option. Yeah. Okay. But um, yeah, potential landing spots Atlanta. You know, we, we could say Atlanta needs everything, so why not throw a lot of money at, at one of the hottest free agents out there? Uh, otherwise, I mean, I, I think she's I think she's happy in Chicago. You know, this is where she's really made a name for herself. And like you like you say, come correct, come correct or don't come at all. I think this guy will come correct with Kalia Copper. All right, so we had four players in the solid starter category here. Where do you want to start? All right, well, we've got Leisha Clarendon of the Minnesota Lynx. Interesting name there. Tiffany Hayes of the Atlanta Dream, Ellie Quigley of the Chicago Sky, and Angel McCautry of the Las Vegas Aces. Hmm. Yeah, Angel was one. I mean, look, she she certainly has, whenever she's been on the court, played better than a solid starter, but this is her second major knee injury in three seasons, you know, going into her age 35 seasons. So perhaps it's disrespectful to put her here, but, you know, is she going to be 2020 Angel McCautry or is she going to be 2018 Cappy Pondexter in, in Pondexter's age 35 season? So Yeah, there's just so much unknown here with Angel. Um, I think she's the type of player who, if she says, hey, I want to play for this team, you know, I'm, this, I'm in the twilight of my career, I want to play for this team, then whichever team she is talking to, they're going to want to try to accommodate her. But uh, I, I, there's just so much unknown here, Stephen. Yeah, so let's move on to some of the players that we've seen healthy more recently. Lasia Clarendon, you know, things have the potential to get very tight financially in Minnesota. They might have to, you know, let go of a player they really like to bring Clarendon back. Uh, Seattle might be in the market for a point guard. I'd certainly like Clarendon's fit with Lloyd and Stewart better than moving Jordan Canada to the starting Definitely. point guard. Clarendon is also such a Vegas player, you know, with his strong body, good size, can defend multiple positions doesn't shoot threes, but still attacks hard enough that, you know, she's not suffocating your spacing. What, what do you think I mean, about she, either of those? They shoot threes uh, just like spotting up. It's, it's not like completely unheard of for Clarendon to shoot threes, where if you're talking about Canada, I mean, you know, defense is sag so many feet off of her that it's not even, it's not even worth it. So 
Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree with you, though. Sorry for, sorry for interrupting. Oh, that's okay. I mean, with Clarendon, let's see here. I wanted to bring it up. Five for 14 shooting three-pointers for Minnesota last season. Maybe so. it's because they, they, they made a three-pointer in that game where they just went off against the sky, and that's still burning a hole in my memory. I don't know. Um, I mean, I agree. I think Clarendon is a player who I, I think, although they had a solid statistical season last year, their overall their impact on the links far exceeds what the statistics talk about. So for that reason, um, I think there will be a market there for Clarendon. Yeah, I think, again, I think Seattle would be a really great fit for all players involved. As much as I was just talking about with Russell, how, you know, five out offenses win, you know, Clarendon, I feel like kind of breaks the mold of of not really creating that spacing because of how hard they can attack the basket and, and the physicality of which they play. So um, let's move on to Tiffany Hayes. This one's a, a, an interesting one to me. You know, what are Hayes... Hayes is, I guess, going into her age 32 season. Like, what are her priorities going to be? Will she get the chance for kind of that last huge payday and a, a chance to be on a, a really good team? Or is she going to have to kind of pick one or the other, you know? Well, it's hard to believe Hayes is heading into her mid-30s. Um, I mean, she's been a really good player for the Dream for a really long time now. And I think it is a fair question to, to ask what her priorities are going to be. You know, the Dream probably not going to be a contender next season. So even if Hayes does get a big payday from them. And honestly, I don't see why the, the, the dream wouldn't just use the core designation on her. Um, you know, I well, mean, well, she, nobody else I don't think would really offer Hayes. I mean, maybe, maybe the lower max she could get from like a Vegas or something. So I yeah, maybe the lower max. You're right. You're right. Uh, Vegas, speaking of which, I think this is another um, potential destination that has been brought up among fans on Twitter. And I think it does make sense. Okay. Uh, so so least, let me ask you, let's just get into it for Vegas specifically. If if Liz is not to return, would you rather have Tiffany Hayes or Tina Charles? I would rather have Tiffany Hayes. I mean, she she fits what they want to do so well. She gets to the free throw line a ton. She's a really good defensive player. And while the transition numbers individually might not bear it out, I mean, you'd much rather see Tiffany Hayes playing for a, a fast-paced team than a slow one. Yeah, and she, she just attacks the rim with, with such ferocity. You know, one of the better perimeter players in the league in terms of her proportion of shots that come at the rim. You know, maybe maybe Chicago, if, if they lose Copper and maybe some of their other big free agents, you know, Hayes could be kind of like a, a, a replicate of what Copper was for them last year. But, you know, there, there's a lot of kind of moving pieces that would have to happen for that to, to occur. Uh, so Vegas really kind of seems like the favorite if it's not going to be Atlanta to me. All right. Um, Allie Quigley. Allie Quigley. I, didn't she... Uh, make some public comments recently that it's kind of Chicago or retirement. I think so. Well, um, hopefully it's not retirement. Hopefully it's it's Chicago. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I think you know going into her age thirty six season again with Copper and and everyone else, you know, due for a payday, it might have to come with a small decrease in salary. But you know, as I feel like as long as Quigley and Vandersloot are combining for, you know, X amount of dollars, it'll all work out. But yeah, as a Sky fan, you know, I'd love to see them all, all back. And I'm hoping that um, they'll find a way to make everything work out. Okay, we have here quite a few players in the, the rotation player category. All right, the aforementioned Rebecca Allen, New York Liberty. Rachel Bannum, last played for her hometown Minnesota Lynx. Uh, Sophie Cunningham, last played for the Phoenix Mercury. Brian January, last played for the Connecticut Sun. Leilani Mitchell, last played for the Washington Mystics. Odyssey Sims and Courtney Williams, both who last played for the Atlanta Dream. Raquanda Williams, last played for the Las Vegas Aces. 
Let's actually start with some of these guards here. Um, January, Leilani Mitchell, Odyssey Sims, probably at this point all best suited as your third guard. How would you prioritize those three as a team kind of looking to bring in uh, a free agent guard? Hmm. I would actually prioritize Leilani Mitchell first um, because I know I've used this phrase often. You know what you're getting out of Leilani Mitchell. I mean, you know what you're getting out of Brian January too, but I just don't think what you get from Brian January is as valuable is what you get from Leilani Mitchell. And that is a extremely competent floor general who is a knockdown three-point shooter and has been for many, many years. Also the only two-time winner of most improved player in league history. Um, so, you know, she is really getting up there in age, already 37 years old. But I think she's, her, her type of, her game is that type of, you know, it's not going to, I mean, she's not going to magically become a, a horrible three-point shooter. You know what I'm saying? Her game is subject to some variance. But I'd be and a much more willing shooter than January. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I think Leilani Mitchell, like her game, is just extremely malleable for basically any team out there looking to sign a backup point guard. Yeah, I, I mean, she is getting up there in age, like you said. I, but she could still run your second unit pretty admirably, I think. Um, sure, sure. Uh, you know, I think Minnesota, if they can't fit in Clarendon, you know, just a better version probably of Crystal Dangerfield. Uh, uh, a too small point guard, but you know, with, with everything else they have there, I don't think Leilani Mitchell is just going to like tank their defense or anything like that. January, you know, I thought Seattle maybe as a nice stopgap option, putting the ball in Lloyd's hands a little bit more. She, she can nominally be your starting point guard, but you know, is January going to be a starting point guard or a starting shooting guard? That's, I feel like Seattle would be the only option where she would be a starting point guard or, okay. or maybe Minnesota again, if, if Clarendon, can't fit but it does feel like she's kind of more in, in two guard phase right yeah yeah definitely and then the other one i guess odyssey sims you know feels like a, a make good contract is coming didn't really have the type of impact on atlanta that uh she was probably expecting i think connecticut maybe would, would be a good kind of landing spot you know they have very very little they can do above the minimum but they have you know one roster spot for about 80k if i mean who's really kind of knocking on odyssey sims door to yeah to really you know bring her back um you know what intrigues me about that possibility is that if there's one thing that odyssey sims you know odyssey sims is going to do it's provide dribble penetration and that's something that the connecticut sun for all of their success over the previous seasons have kind of lacked yeah they don't really have that kind of one guard player that can really get into the teeth of the defense get get to the front of the rim and, you know, she's not Brian January defensively, but she's also not Leilani Mitchell defensively. So I think where some of these other guards, you know, like a Rachel Bantam, Connecticut probably would just want to focus a little bit more on defense given their identity. You know, Odyssey Sims gives you, I think, a little bit of a balance between the two. Okay, fair enough. Let's talk about Courtney Williams here. You know, the dream said uh, they're not going to bring her back after the off-court, uh, off highly publicized off-court incident there. Where do you think Courtney Williams is going to go? Because I can't, I, I can't imagine that... She's just going to be, you know, totally shut out of the league, you know? I mean, yeah, she's obviously one of the 140 or so best women's basketball players in the world. You you think she's going to find a landing spot, but finding that landing spot is pretty tough. Um, it, it seems like a very Atlanta dream signing to me to bring in Courtney Williams, but they're obviously not going to bring her back. Who, who else is there? Indiana? I mean... Is this like a, is this a Vegas fit? I could see Indiana thinking, you know, this is kind of the scoring punch we need, but she makes no sense with Kelsey Mitchell. No. Um, yeah, this, this one's tough. I mean, she's similar to Raquana Williams, obviously considerably younger and doesn't shoot threes. Um, 
you know, and they we saw the the plum gray Raquana Williams lineup have some pretty decent success. So maybe that's an option. Like, what else really is there for Courtney Williams? I think Vegas is interesting. Um, her her game does share some similarities with Raquana Williams, although Williams is obviously more of that three point threat, whereas Williams, uh, Raquana Williams, that is more of a three point threat. Courtney Williams more of uh, inside the perimeter threat. Uh, but she also provides a little bit of that secondary playmaking. You know, Vegas isn't a team where any one of those guards is going to dominate the basketball. So I, that'd be interesting to me. Um, I, mean, I, I wouldn't is... want to put the ball in Courtney Williams' hands at the expense of Kelsey Plum and Chelsea Gray. No, no. And Raquana Williams is just so much more comfortable as a play finisher, I think, where, you know, Courtney wants a little bit more of kind of the dribble pull-up game. Yeah, and that's and that's something that the Aces, you know, they, they thrive off uh, free throws. And Williams is not going to be drawing many free throws. Courtney Williams, that is. Williams and Williams. <laughs> not the yeah, this, is, this is bad for us. Um, all right. I guess we can kind of get back to the top of our list here. Uh, I mean, there's not really much to say about Rebecca Allen. You know, she's the type of player who, because she can d- defend multiple positions and, and space the floor, you can, you know, slaughter in anywhere, right? Atlanta doesn't really fit their timeline, but if they're kind of going with them more, you know, we're not going to really chase stars, but we do want to sign some veterans to, uh, you know, help with the development of our our are, uh, you know, Kennedy Carter in their lottery pick and, and Ari McDonald, you know, as someone who can guard the point of attack, as someone who can space the floor for their other offensive options that'll have the ball in their hands a little bit more. You know, if it's not in the cards to return to New York, I could see that really helping Atlanta. Indiana, you know, I'm not going to champion them signing too many aging veterans, but they desperately need shooting and they desperately need defensive playmaking. And, and Allen could certainly do both. I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth there. Uh, but when it comes to a player of this archetype, anybody could use a player like Rebecca Allen. You know, I mean, you, you talked about it, both three-point shooting and defensive playmaking. That is, like, there aren't many, I think, legit 3 and D players in the WNBA, but she is certainly one of them. And any any good team is going to want a player like Rebecca Allen on that team. So I think Indiana, honestly, because they need three-point shooting and they need perimeter defense. So if you can if you can kill two birds with one stone there, if you can uh, fulfill both needs with one signing, I don't see why you don't do that. I mean, she's not that old. She's 29. So why not? All right. Let's talk about Rachel Bannum here. Um, I mean, Connecticut, like I said, could bring her back. Maybe if, if she's, if January is priced out, uh, I don't, I mean, she left Connecticut for a reason, right? Um, You know, maybe, maybe Washington, she could replace that Leilani Mitchell role. Uh, I wouldn't be nearly as comfortable with her running a, a lineup as Mitchell, though. Yeah, and they don't really have kind of that second after Natasha Cloud. They don't really have like kind of true point guard anymore uh, without Mitchell. You know, they have a lot of pretty good play finishers, like good second or third options with like Atkins and, and stuff like that. But yeah, maybe that's overtaxing Bantam a little bit too much. I definitely think she's better off the ball. Yeah, agreed. Um, but I, I think Rachel Bantam at the same time. She has earned a spot in the league. It's just like, like you say, priced out. Where, where is she going to fit for her, her veteran status and her, her accomplishments? Uh, and then the last player we had here was Sophie Cunningham, who is a unrestricted free agent uh, due to Phoenix's probably poor decision making and not keeping her for her fourth year rookie option. Finally, had that season where her shooting kind of lived up to expectations, albeit on still, you know, not the highest number of attempts per thirty six. Uh, Phoenix will almost certainly not be able to bring her back. So, again, similar to Raquana Williams and uh, Rebecca Allen, a player who 
you know, isn't going to command the ball too much, you know, can play some defense for you on the perimeter and can space the floor. Uh, any spots jump out for you for Sophie Cunningham, Eric? Um, Sky fans aren't going to be happy with me. So if you're a Sky fan, cover your ears. I wouldn't mind seeing her in Chicago. I know uh, for various reasons, there's a very low chance of that happening. But just from a, a talent perspective, I think she'd be a great fit. Because, I mean, she's she's a big wing who defends and can knock down the occasional three-pointer. And if Diamond Shields uh, heads, for, heads for open waters or, or higher-paying waters, Cunningham would be a cheaper option there. Yeah, and at age 25, one of the younger players that you'll see on the unrestricted free agent list. Uh, for that reason, you know, again, Atlanta and Indiana, teams that should be looking for maybe flyers on kind of second draft players. And this isn't even really a second draft player because Sophie Cunningham was successful in Phoenix. They just kind of priced themselves out of keeping her. And, and yeah, Very weird. Yeah. Um, but those those two options, I think, would be pretty good. I mean, Atlanta, maybe a little bit more than Indiana. Um, but that is, uh, that's it for the unrestricted players, at least in terms of uh, sure thing, rotation players. I have a couple fringe players here. Brittany Boyd-Jones, Marie Condi, Blake Dietrich, Shyla Heal, Bria Holmes, Joyner Holmes, Stella Johnson, Dia Jones, Kara Leslie, Shakina Strickland, Shatori Walker-Cambro, Stephanie Watts, Kiana Williams, Shavante Zellis. Any of those jump out as players that you feel like are deserving of uh, roster spots over the rest of them? Uh I mean, a few of those names, I think you know, we've seen them for many years. And I think I think the WNB is just kind of done with them. Like Boyd Jones was never the same after her uh, Achilles injury. Shavante Zellis, I think, is the, the league is pretty much done with her. It feels Shakina's, like Boyd Jones got her last chance with Chicago last year. Yeah, time. yeah, and that's that's unfortunate, but that's that's the way it goes. Um, Shakina Strickland is an interesting name because she was not so long ago one of the league's elite three-point shooters, and it earned her a bigger contract in Atlanta, but that just didn't work out for a myriad of reasons. Yeah, I mean, she was a starting player on a, a finals team, right? It, that was a mere two years ago, and then it seems like as soon as she got to Atlanta, she could hardly get off the bench. For me, you know, maybe this is kind of homerism talking because I've always been a, a big Strickland fan, but definitely deserves a one-year prove-it deal somewhere, uh, you know, for the minimum probably. I think the right situation could provide a pretty high upside play. You know, Washington, Seattle, you know, maybe even Chicago, something like that. Uh, Connecticut, I think would be great. You know, a lot of teams just wouldn't, it, the opportunity wouldn't be there. Like she would make no sense with Vegas. The Sparks have bigger priorities, but any of those teams I mentioned before, um, particularly Washington feels like one that would work out pretty well, even with kind of the wing depth that they already have. Any of these other players you want to hit on or should we move on to the restricted free agents? I mean, there are a couple interesting names here. I think Kiara Leslie, I was a big fan of hers in college, but she just can't stay healthy. And I think Mike Tebow, he was actually openly critical of her, you know, back uh, when the Mystics uh, cut down their roster to, to open up that cap space. She said, so, he, or he said something like um, she needs to uh, readjust her, her, her priorities or something like that. And he mentioned, like, she just can't stay healthy. So if, if that's usually a good environment for young players, too. So there might just be something there that's, you know, turning teams off from her. And then, you know, Shatori Walker-Kimbrough, I think both of us have, have spoke positively of Walker-Kimbrough on the podcast before. But... I mean, there's got to be a reason why she's not she's not finding success on any of these teams, right? Yeah, it feels like and why she keeps switching teams. Yeah, yeah, you know, she had the one year in Phoenix where we both kind of thought she could play more. You know, she had that quick cup of coffee with Connecticut. Thought she was maybe one of Washington's better rotation players last year. It seems like maybe one of, it, a very kind of highly situational player where if if it's not kind of the right coaching fit, it's just not maybe going to work out here. But 
Let's move on to restricted free agents where I didn't have anybody in the superstar, star, or solid starter tier. But I think, you know, some of these players in a rotation player, you could definitely make the case for for solid starter. Who were the, the four players that we're looking at as restricted free agent wings or guards? Yeah, you could make an argument for uh, starters on some of these players. But Jordan Canada, Seattle Storm, Nia Coffee, LA Sparks, Diamond Shields, Chicago Sky, Kia Nurse, Phoenix Mercury, and uh, Stephanie Talbot, Seattle Storm. I guess we can start uh, at the top there with Canada. I mean... This is a bummer. Yeah. Me. I mean, do you have do you have anything? I have, I have stuff to say, but do you want to go first? I mean, I, I think a, a very basic assessment would be a player who was drafted into a situation in which they expected her to become the next heir, to, or, or the heir to one of the WNBA's all-time greats. And not only did that all-time great play a little longer than expected, but Canada just didn't develop. You know, I mean, she's pretty much the same player as she was previously, and her weaknesses are very, very glaring. Yeah, in terms of options, you know, Seattle is an obvious one. If Bird retires, they can't really bring in any, you know, better backups, uh, any more kind of innings eaters, you know, the January, the Clarendon type. You know, maybe Cheryl Reeve sees something in her if they if they can't bring back Leisure Clarendon. You know, this feels like like a dream or a fever signing waiting to happen. But you know, neither of those make any sense at all, right? Uh, um, you have a not that those teams have made signings that made sense in previous off seasons. Yeah, but, but, I mean, but even still, you know, Kennedy Carter and Aaron McDonald. You. you know, their most recent first round draft picks. The the fever just signing D Rob. I mean, imagine a, a lineup with D Rob and Jordan Canada playing together for the fever. I'm horrendous. Just, um, all the now Minnesota is interesting though, Stephen. Because, like, why did Crystal Dangerfield kind of fall out of favor? Because, you know, she wasn't a great defender. That's one thing that Canada does bring. He does. But the shooting... Yeah. Uh... All the offense. I mean, she's, like I've said before, I think she's a true value-added passer, but it's really hard, especially, you know, when you are playing one of the greats all time in, in Sylvia Falls, but a paint-bound center, you know, so you're looking at two non-shooters. Even if you do have pretty plus options at, at the rest of the year, your position's there, it makes it tough. Um I mean, I, th- I think this is a case where one of those we're, we're talking about mid-level veterans who are going to get squeezed by rookies. I, I think this is a, a realistic case of that. Well, a player that I hope does not get squeezed because she had a great season last year, uh, Nia Coffey, again, I think, you know, not not a star, but one of the better players that are almost certain to change teams due to what L.A. has going on with their books. A revelation last season and, and a player that definitely was a lot better than I expected. Yeah, uh, likely to change teams not only because uh, the team can't afford her, but because she's earned it. I mean, I, I could see Nia Coffey. She had a good season both as a as a play finisher and as a defensive playmaker, and that's going to that's gonna earn her some looks around the league. I would love to have Nia Coffey on my team. The question I have about her is, one, I mean, two questions, I guess. One, how high are you willing to go for her? Yes, she had a career season, but then now you got to say, how confident are you that she can replicate that, that status on a winning team? And two... What position is she going to play? Is she a three or is she more of a small ball four? So this brings me to, I think, one of the few signings for one of these bad teams that I really got excited for. For Indiana to bring in Nia Coffey as a small ball four, like you don't really, if you're playing Nia Coffey next to Tierra McCowan, like you don't have to worry about all the typical things that you might worry about if you're playing a small ball four, right? Because Tierra McCowan, like you're not going to get killed on the glass with the smaller four if you have McCowan at center. She, right. She's an elite kind of rebounding team within herself. And and Coffee can kind of give you that one player to add a little bit of defensive versatility. She can hopefully continue to hit some threes. 
you know, she's a little bit older than their timeline, but only going into age 27 season, like that's not crazy old. It's not like she's a a 30 year old player or, or, or over that. So for me, this would be very high in my priority list if I were the Indiana Fever. Okay. Uh, we've also got the Seattle Storm as a potential destination. Um, I'm not sure how much this fills a need for them, but I could definitely see it working. Yeah, and it feels like they already kind of have so many of these, this position sort of filled out, you know, with Herbert Harrigan and Katie Lou Samuelson, you know, maybe Steph Talbot that they bring back, but Coffee, you know, kind of filling in that Alicia Clark role, you know, without the passing, but gives you the defensive versatility, just more of a two-way player really than I think their current options. But I think they, they feel pretty good about maybe where they are here. I also had the Liberty here, you know, if they're not able to bring in some of the bigger fish that they're probably going to be hoping for, I think she would fit pretty great with what New York wants to do. You know, they're, they're probably looking for more of a, a four slash five, but a three, four who can defend multiple positions and hit corner threes and has, you know, pretty good athleticism for her position. It almost reminds me like that, get, that gets me thinking. She's kind of like what they're hoping Naya Odom is going to be. Yeah, exactly. This is like an actualized version of that, right? Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, I would also love, you know, the fit with Dallas, but I just don't really see how they free up the roster spot again. Let's move on to... uh uh WNBA champion Diamond Shields. So this is this is interesting. I could see this happening one of two ways. I could see one team, and this is actually I think the more realistic scenario at, the, at this moment. I could see a team with more cap space and, and a dire need on their roster throwing more money at the Shields than Chicago is willing to accept because she is a restricted free agent and she's certainly not the number one or number two priority for this guy to bring back. Um, or maybe she gives him a little discount and, and says, okay, you know, I, I won a championship here. I'd like to help you run it back. But right now, I mean, for a player that had so much potential and, and, and we were just raving about after her first two seasons in the league, her value has really, really decreased. Some of that, I think, uh, is thanks to um, Kalia Copper uh, totally bursting on the scene and, and basically seizing that starting position. But also, I mean, DeShield's game in particular, I don't think has really reached the height that it has been expected or, or, or people have have expected it to reach. So I don't know. I, I think your, 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 uh, any contracts you get is going to be based on potential rather than what she's actually done so far. Yeah. This to me feels like kind of the new look dream. Uh, I don't know if you said that already, but I feel like we are in yes. agreement there. Um, you know, sort of bringing in, you know, maybe it's to shields and Heinz Allen or to shields and Tina Charles, but kind of, you know, getting something to get the fan base excited, it seems extremely unlikely for me that Diamond to Shields plays for Chicago next season, but hey, crazier things have happened, right? To me, this, and this is the player who I was I was alluding to, who's who's who might sign with Atlanta because I mean they've got a huge amount of cap space. They're basically starting from scratch, more or less. They need some young players. They, they need something to get excited about. They need some young and dynamic players to basically forge this new identity. Yeah, they've got Ari McDonald. Yeah, they've got Kennedy Carter. Maybe you know, I mean, who knows what's going on there. Um, but you know, DeShields, she played high, she's, she's a household name in the area. She played high school ball there and they've already committed to not bringing back several of their wings in, in Courtney Williams and Crystal Bradford. So they've got the cap space and they've got the roster space open for her. So I don't know. I think the dream could offer her just a larger contract than this guy would be comfortable to match. And I mean, one thing that I just want to say quickly, you brought up a kind sure. of in passing a good point, you know, I've been just kind of penciling the dream in as you know, Kennedy Carter is in their future, but, you know, maybe things are, are too toxic for that to continue. And, and I mean, we haven't heard anything about that yeah. situation for a long time now. 
Uh, let's move on to the last two players in this tier here. Kia Nurse, who, you know, there's not really a ton to say about just because, you know, when you are, when you tear your ACL two weeks before the season ended. Sucks. As a restricted free agent, like who is going to kind of put in an offer sheet for that? That's incredibly tough timing for Kia Nurse. And like you said, that sucks. Steph Talbot, probably the most malleable of this group. You know, I don't know how many teams are really going to be knocking on the door to steal Steph Talbot away in restricted free agency. But, you know, you can see a world where things just get a little bit too pricey with Stewart and uh, Lloyd and Bird and Russell to where, you know, Talbot just might get a little bit richer of a a deal than Seattle's willing to pony up. Yeah, you know, I I think I'm in agreement. I, I think with Talbot, the one thing she brings, there's not a lot she brings. She doesn't have a very well-rounded game, but you know she's going to be able to knock down threes. And I mean, she, she she brings some size as well. So I mean, it's not like she's five foot three and, and, and a three point shooter. Um, I mean, she's not Shakina Strickland out here either. You know, she can no no. It's it, they're mainly uh, standstill three pointers or or movement at movement three pointers at, at best. But I mean, that that's still a valuable skill. She's still in the prime of her career. I think the one thing that would give me pause is her status as an international player. Otherwise, I could definitely see her as kind of like a second wave free agency signing. You know, all the big all the big dominoes have fallen, and now a a team with championship aspirations is looking to add one more bench player to their roster, something like that. I mean, she's not a she's not a player who you're going to get super excited about, but she can have a role in a good team. Yeah, agree completely. Fringe players here, fringe rotation players: Lindsey Allen and Lexi Brown. Uh, a little bit higher on Brown than I am of, of Allen. Yeah. I still think Brown can be a positive impact player. And I also still think that she continues to be miscast as a ball handler. I would love to see her get real serious minutes as just kind of an off-ball wing. The problem is there is I think she, she's got the size of a point guard, but she doesn't have the game of a point guard, or at least the offensive game of a point guard. Yes, she can shoot the ball. I mean, honestly, is honestly speaking, though, like she's mostly a a, a standstill three-point shooter, though. She is a plus defender. There's no doubt about that. But I just have to wonder, where is Lexi Brown going to fit? Granted, I, I don't think she's going to command a lot of money. I don't think she's going to be back with this guy. But if they did bring her back as like an end-of-the-bench player, I wouldn't be upset. All right. Reserved players here. I have one player in the solid starter camp. And again, reserved players, these are players that can only, uh, as long as they get their reserved qualifying offer, they can only negotiate with their current team. So not a lot yeah. of opportunity for teams to swoop in and steal these players unless it's really kind of decided by that team that they don't want to bring them back. So Solid starters I have. Uh, Bridget Carlton uh, is the only one. And then rotation player, uh, pretty big list here. Shea Petty, Victoria Vivians, Carly Samuelson, Crystal Bradford, Taya Cooper, and Natisha Heideman. But it's worth talking about Bradford, who's set to be a reserved player here, but Atlanta has already announced that she's going to be back. So maybe she just doesn't get that qualifying offer and would be an unrestricted free agent. That's interesting. That is interesting. Um, Obviously, the off-court incident with Courtney Williams, very unfortunate, but it does open up that possibility for unrestricted free agency. With Bradford, I think this is, this is, it's a real bummer that it happened this way for her because she was having a, the definition of a bounce back season. You know, she was out of the league for several seasons. Um, I honestly didn't expect to see her again in the WNBA because of her history of, of knee problems, but she really carved out a critical role on the Atlanta dream uh, in, in 2021. So a player like her, maybe a team would, would be willing to take a flyer. You know, you, you can't imagine she's going to be commanding a huge salary, but she is a player who proved last season she can play that small ball four position and provide both outside shooting and defensive playmaking. Like I said previously, very valuable archetype to have on your roster. 
I mean, in my opinion, like she definitely the the off season incident for me would not dissuade me from signing Crystal Bradford. I mean, if it means that me yeah. you know she ends up as a minimum player, that that's great from a team perspective. I mean, how perfect would she be in Phoenix, for example, as a minimum player? Like, how oh, very, desperately very could they use a player that can play both the three and the four? credibly and space the floor you know she's not the best version of this player but an archer type where you're not really going to look at too many teams and say oh she doesn't fit here because she defends multiple positions and she can shoot threes and attack closeouts so you know chicago i think would be a great fit if it comes in at a lower salary seattle would be awesome as just like a better version of makia herbert harrigan so you know a, a, a an archer type that can help just about any team here but those three jumped out to me in particular how about Victoria Vivians? Um, I think she's a player who injuries really derailed her WNBA career. And I almost feel like, I mean, yeah, she's reserved, but it, it almost feels like she needs a positive development. This is a player, like, it's it just screams change of scenery to me. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Victoria Vivians, I think, would is like the perfect kind of second draft candidate. You know, she, she had some tough injury seasons. She had that one promising rookie year, you know, had some moments last year. If I were Atlanta or... Uh, you know, maybe some teams that didn't have the highest aspirations, you know, maybe even maybe Phoenix, you know, she can kind of fight out like Megan Walker for those kind of minutes. I would definitely be, you know, calling Indiana and seeing, you know, how much do you really value this player? Like, yeah. um, you know, uh, and see if you can kind of get her for, you know, uh, a low opportunity pick or something like that. Okay. Uh, any other names on this list that really stand out? I mean, Tia Cooper, obviously a huge name um, around the WNBA. Natisha Heideman showed some big flashes last year for the number one seed Connecticut Sun. Any chance those players switch teams or no? I don't really see it. Uh, I mean, I think I'm maybe a little bit higher on Cooper than you generally. I think LA would be wise to prioritize her over some of their other, you know, over like a Lauren Cox, let's say. Oh, or I agree. Something like that. Um, and Heidemann, you know, I think Connecticut would be foolish to kind of let her go elsewhere. So I think I think that'll that'll do it for that, I think. Okay. Not too much let's, to add there. Let's move on to suspended contract expire guards and wings. We're almost done. Don't worry. Yeah, just uh, three three players left here that we can talk yeah. about. So this is uh, for solid starter, I had Julie Aleman uh, for Indiana. And then rotation players, I had Mourinho Hannes and Cecilia Zandalassini. A couple now, players. Steven, I am very surprised okay. you had Mourinho Hannes as low as a rotation player. Um, well, you know, we do have to see it, I think, in, in the WNBA. You know, she was a player who has only played in, in one season in the WNBA. It was all the way back in uh, 2019. She played on a, a terrible team, put up some pretty impressive numbers. I, I believe in her more than kind of having her in this tier, but I, you know, it would just kind of be... We're, we're just looking at where things are right now. It, it would be okay. very hopeful, I think, to put her in like okay. a solid starter category, but I do think she could definitely, you know, show up and be in that tier for sure. Okay. Um, any anything you want to talk about with any of these players? I think this is pretty straightforward considering their their contract status. No, not really. I hope we see them all in the WNBA. <laughs> that- okay. All right. Very very well put. Um, any of these any any other players you really want to talk about here? Or any other final notes? I guess you know some of the better teams that I think or some of the better players I think could change teams. You know, Tina Charles, Maisha Hines, Allen. You know, Steph Dolson, Tiffany Hayes. Those to me are, are probably the biggest names. Hayes maybe the least so of those, as you kind of laid out for us. Some of the the best players, the most accomplished players that we might see uh, on a new roster next year. All right. Well, uh, thanks everyone for listening. I know this is kind of a kind of a long episode, but free agency is an exciting time. We still have a little while to wait. It's it's a month plus until free agency officially begins. But um, 
it's it's an exciting topic. So if anybody listening, you know, wants to give their feedback on where they'd like to see players go potentially, or where they think players will go potentially, who you want your favorite team to really pursue in free agency, we would love to hear it. And thanks again to her hoop stats for providing all of this uh, yes. salary information, contract status information, pretty much everything that has been lacking for so long up until recently. And her hoop stats uh, can't thank them enough for the resources that they provide. It's it's really awesome because you know her hoop stats. Obviously, there are a lot of details there, but they present it and they break it down in a way that's very, very, very accessible. So you can you can just study her hoop stats for for a whole night and come out and be like a cap expert. You know. So that's, it's, it's very, very much appreciated, the hard work they put in. All right. I think that'll do it for us. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to support the show, you can follow, rate, and review on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can follow the show on Twitter at DoubledownWNBA. You can follow each of us on Twitter at E for Eric, at Trinkwald for myself. And we'll be back, I guess, next week with some undecided content. All right. Looking forward to it. Take care, everybody.